Good morning, everyone. I'm R.W. Estella with a word in Edgewise. Today is the 13th of March, the 72nd day of 2023, affording us 293 days ahead of burgeoning potential until 2024. We continue in March to celebrate Women's History Month and National Optimism Month, among many related observances. One week ago, for example, Canadian sled dog musher Catherine Langley of New Brunswick made history when she became the first woman to win the Can-Am 250 sled dog race. And heck, after losing an hour of sleep this past weekend because of our absurd allegiance to our annual sacrifice that masquerades as the positive-sounding spring-ahead launch of Daylight Savings Time, a fallacious label to be sure, we need to practice some optimism, banishing negative thoughts to the back of the compost bin where they might transform themselves into so many nutrients we might find useful a couple of seasons from now. And apropos of this year's tax preparation season, most of us of the W-2 ilk have received those little documents chronicling last year's wages and the withholding of various sums by state and federal powers. So here, as some sort of existential echo, are a few lines from Ishmael Reed's poem, Guilt Mountain. When he does his taxes, he finds charges for things he didn't sign up for. No chance to read about penalties and interest rates. He didn't sign up for life's contract. Heavenward this morning and tomorrow after midnight and through early morning twilight in the southern sky, our last quarter moon hangs near Antares, the brightest star in Scorpius the Scorpion and the crown of Scorpius, consisting of the stars Akrab, Dushuba, and Fang. Today in 1677, Massachusetts gained title to Maine for $6,000. Today in 1852, the Uncle Sam cartoon figure made its debut in the New York Lantern Weekly. Today in 1865, in an 11th hour desperation measure, Confederate President Jefferson Davis signed a bill to authorize use of slaves as soldiers. Today in 1877, American Chester Greenwood patented earmuffs, which he had invented at age 15. Today in 1905, Mata Hari first performed her dance act at the Guimet Museum in Paris. Today in 1918, Leon Trotsky gained control of the Red Army. Today in 1921, Mongolia declared independence from China. Today in 1986, Microsoft made its initial public offering of financial instruments. Today in 2012, Encyclopedia Britannica announced it would no longer publish printed hard copy versions of its encyclopedia. Five weeks ago, the White House announced that our government will no longer be officially concerned about COVID as an emergency come May. Though that does not mean COVID is not having an impact on our nation and on the world. The New York Times reports recently that the U.S. averaged about 30,000 confirmed cases of COVID daily this past week, with 401 deaths per day. That's around 2807, 2,807 deaths this past week in the U.S., or approximately one death every three and a half minutes. 
Initially appearing front and center in the general theater of attention, COVID has become increasingly ignored, as though that approach will make the virus non-existent. Moreover, for anyone remotely interested in our 21st century plague, the type of scourge is gradually being euphemized from pandemic to endemic. Yet according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, COVID remains the number three cause of death in our country. Number one is heart disease, number two is cancer, number three is COVID, number four are accidents. In 2022, 300,000 people died of COVID and 200,000 people died from accidents any sort of accident. U.S. traffic accidents account for 46,000 of the total accident death toll. So here's a way to think about that. At the moment, you're seven times more likely to die from COVID than you are to die in a traffic accident. Locally here in Orono, spring vacation lasting a week begins today at the university where Chancellor Daniel Malloy recently announced that the University of Maine system will no longer require students to be vaccinated against COVID. This announcement occurs while my girlfriend and I, teaching five classes between us, are witnessing a COVID testing positivity rate of about 20% among our students, twice the national average. But these days, little mitigation seems to be happening as the University of Maine administration continues in 2023 to approach the question of COVID on campus ambivalently, stating in its official pronouncements that masks are welcome, but required only at the individual professor's request. Therefore, many classes have enrollments that are totally unmasked and some have enrollments required to wear masks. Guess which ones contribute more to the increasingly transmissible variants COVID is gracing us with this year. Additionally, various administrators from one of the colleges on campus recently experienced an outbreak among themselves. They, too, had no longer been wearing masks while in close contact with each other. In the three years our country and the world have been dealing with COVID, 105 million cumulative cases of COVID have been reported in the U.S., the most of any country on the planet, proving we are the most hospitable people to the virus, engendering 16% of the world's 677 million cases when we're only 4% of the world's population. One million of the world's cumulative 677 million reported cases were recorded this past week. Elsewhere around the globe, major industrialized nations continue to hold second through seventh places in cumulative numbers of infection, respectively India, France, Germany, Brazil, Japan, and South Korea. On the fatal front globally, current numbers of deaths due to COVID are officially at 6.9 million, while COVID deaths here in the United States, according to Johns Hopkins and other credible sources, are presently at 1.2 million. Worldwide, more than 13.4 billion doses of vaccine have been administered, but remember only 68% of all Americans are vaccinated, and only half of those vaccinated have had a minimum of one booster shot since. Today in 1939, in Brooklyn, New York, rock and roll legend Neil Sedaka was born in a Sephardic Jewish home, where he was also raised. He showed musical talent early and was selected as New York's outstanding classical pianist by Arthur Rubinstein. Soon, however, the chubby Sedaka figured the best way to win his teen, teenage peers' approval was to write rock songs by scoring his first hit in 1955 with Stupid Cupid, recorded by Connie Francis. Concurrently, Sedaka formed his own group, The Tokens, but discovered he preferred working alone, producing such hits as Breaking Up Is Hard To Do, 
Happy birthday, Sweet Sixteen. I'm living right next door to an angel and calendar girl. And in the process, making enough money by age 23 to retire. A timely move as the British invasion was ramping up and Sadaka's tunes were increasingly being considered as old-fashioned. Nevertheless, he found a niche in writing songs for the fifth dimension. And then in 1975, with the help of rocker Elton John, Sadaka staged a comeback, recording Laughter in the Rain and Bad Blood and writing Love Will Keep Us Together for the Captain and Tennille. Today is also the birthday in 1499 of Portuguese-Spanish conquistador rambling about Central America and later discovering California, Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo. In 1798 of American First Lady Abigail Fillmore. In 1811 of French pianist and composer Camille Marie Stamati. In 1855 of American astronomer and founder of Lowell Observatory in Flagstaff, Arizona, Percival Lowell. In 1875, of Dutch painter Lizzie Ansing. In 1892, of American journalist Janet Flanner. In 1896, of American children's writer Dorothy Aldis. In 1898, of American actress Josie Sedgwick. In 1907, of Romanian structural anthropologist Mircea Eliade. In 1910, of American orchestra leader Sammy Kay. In 1933, of American radio and television actress Gloria McMillan. In 1938, of American gospel and R&B singer Irma Franklin. In 1950, of American actor William H. Macy. In 1955, of American actress Glenn Headley. In 1956, of American actress Dani Delaney. And in 1960, of English-Irish rock bassist Adam Clayton. From Orono, Maine, I'm R.W. Estella with a word in edgewise. Here's to the 13th and officially final week of winter, to the 11th week of the new year, to St. Patty's on Friday, and to the fact that next week we will have spring, when, as E.E. E. Cummings tells us, the goat-footed balloon man whistles far and wee.